us, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And it seems like it's been a month since uh, I've stood up here and taught. I don't know. It's just, uh, but uh, I'm thankful for the privilege that God's given me to just try to share, you know, I thought share God's word with such a wonderful group of people. Uh, what a privilege it is. And I appreciate you all. I mean, uh, I tell you what, last week, I don't know if it helped anybody else, but man, I tell you what a blessing last Sunday was. I mean, the whole day, everything. I mean, I, I tell you, it did me some good. It really stirred my heart and gave me some time to, to spend a little, a little time revisiting, you know, where I'm at and uh, thinking, you know, thinking back over the time how good God has been. But just the fact, just seeing everything that happened last Sunday, I, I just tell you, it just, it just did my heart good. It just really stirred my heart, and uh, I, I just I'm appreciate. I just appreciate the Lord this morning, and uh, I, uh, you know, we were talking about, this is, like I said, it feels like it's been a month ago, but it's only been a couple of weeks, we were talking about the essence is God's grace and the grace of giving, that's what, we, that's what we're going to talk about or try to, to talk about this morning, and probably going to spend some time on this, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be a help to us, and I know it's been a help to me, and, and, and God's certainly moving upon my heart about a lot of things, which I know he does all of us, but uh, it's a privilege to, have, to know the Lord, number one, but then the fact that he wants to continue to grow us, and one of the things he wants to continue to grow us in is the grace of giving. So let me read, uh, let me read verses 1 and 2 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we'll go from there. So Paul tells us in verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you the wit of the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And, you know, when, when we look at this, we look at verse 2, and it says, in a great trial of affliction. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, there's times when I read through the Bible, and, and I read, and, 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 I, and I study things, but I don't really think through the reasons maybe or, or other occurrences of what we're reading in the current verse, what it really means. And, and if we go back and look in other parts of the Bible, we'll see truly when, when Paul says there was, they were in a great trial of affliction, they were in a great trial of affliction. They were in the midst of a lot of trouble and turmoil and persecution. And I think sometimes we read these verses, or I do, and I don't really appreciate the fact that, you know, what they were really going through, and the fact that God has given us, he's given us accounts, even back in the book of Acts, and we may look at a couple of those here in a minute, of what these kind of things, what these folks were going through, okay? They weren't not just talking about the Apostle Paul, but I'm talking about the church in and of itself and the people who chose to follow after him and to, to, to basically to accept Christ. And because of their decision to accept Christ, there was persecution, there was trials, there were problems. And... Uh, you know, these churches, they were basically born in affliction. We could say that, and it would be a true statement. They were born in a time of persecution and of, and of trouble. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, go, if you go back, if you want to turn back to Acts chapter 16, actually, I'm more looking at Acts 16 and 17, but I'm just going to look, note a couple of things here. But we kind of get a feel for some of the things that, that these people were going through. Um, get there Acts 16 for example um, it gives us accounts of the persecution and the affliction okay of the churches 
and their members. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, when we say the church, I mean, it's the people within the church that were being affected by this. And in chapter 16, kind of familiar scripture, and I'm not going to read it, but, it, you know, we have the account of Paul and Silas, okay, in Philippi. And we said the Macedonian churches last week or a couple of weeks ago we were talking. I mean, we're talking about the churches of Philippi. We're talking about the churches at, at the Thessalonica or church. And also Berea, just to kind of as a, a little reminder. So at Philippi, we, we know the story of the Philippian jailer, the conversion of Lydia in her house because of the preaching of Paul and, and the message of, of salvation that, that was delivered to him. But there was persecution all around them. Okay, I mean, we, we look at the, we, we remember the stories and we remember about the jailer being saved and his family, and that's wonderful. But you know, at the whole time this was going on, there was other things that were going on that were not so good. And when you look at, if you look at verse, I think it's verse 40. Yeah, Acts 16, verse 40. After all these things had happened, Paul and Silas were beaten and jailed. The Philippian jail, they were released. You all know the story. But after all these things happened, look in verse 40 and look at what we're told here. And it says, and they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. You know what? There's a reason why. I mean, I, there's something. There's a reason why it says that. Those people, they were, they were bothered. I'm sure they were bothered. They were bothered by what had happened to Paul and Silas, I'm sure. But they were bothered about other things because they were being, they were being persecuted. They were dealing with things that were not easy because they were, they were following the path of Christ. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. So, um, in turn to 17. If you go to 17, tells us of the persecution in Thessalonica. You know, and here's the interesting thing. As Paul traveled, the persecution didn't go away. Persecution followed him. I mean, literally some of them, but I mean, but literally some of them literally followed him from town to town. But in Thessalonica, I think it's interesting. Here we see that uh, there was a believer named Jason. I think it's in verse 15, if I remember right. Let me, let me look here. I think it was in verse 15. Um, but uh, a believer named Jason, his house was literally attacked by an unruly mob. Okay, his house. Not, not, I'm not talking about Paul. I'm talking about this believer, Jason. Him and his house. And it said they were brought before the city's leaders. You all can read the account. I'm not going to read it. But because they associated with Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Silas as well probably, but also, more specifically, for their belief and their stand for Christ. That, that was really what stirred people against them. It was their belief and the, his belief and his family members because they chose to stand with Christ rather than standing with all the Jewish leaders and such. Folks don't like it. I tell you what, when we go, when, people in the world today don't like the fact, they don't like what we believe, okay? They don't want to hear. I mean, but it's not us. Now, they're going to take it out on us, possibly, and they probably do. But it, just remember... There's others before us, and we've got a, we've got, I mean, I've got a responsibility. I feel strongly. I have a responsibility, okay? It's not a choice. If I claim the name of Christ, I have a responsibility to live that way. I have a responsibility when somebody questions to help them understand that, look, here's why I believe, because, number one, this word right here, this book, is, the, is God's word. But anyway, little little side note there. But it, so are you, are you kind of getting the feel for, hopefully you're getting kind of the feel where I'm going with this this morning. And then if we move forward, they went from Thessalonica, they moved on to Berea. And the Jews literally followed them. 
followed Paul there from, from Thessalonica to Berea. And they followed him there, and they caused disruption to the church there also. I think that was in, I think that's in verse 13. I kind of took some scribble notes, but you all can go back and check me. But it, it's in here, trust me. So here's the thing I'm trying to get at. The devil was stirring up persecution, okay, but the power of God was saving people, okay? I mean, there was trouble, there was persecution, but God's power is always greater than anything that the enemy has to throw out to us. Now, I'm not saying it's, not going to be, it's always going to be easy. We know better. Any of us that have lived any period of time know that there's things that come along, family things, physical things, whatever it is. So it doesn't matter. I mean, you can, the list is endless. But the power of God is always greater. Okay, For if, As long as we're willing to rely upon him and go to him and lean on him, the power of God is always greater. So all this stuff was going on, and, but yet people were being saved. And it even says in Acts 17.4, listen to what it says. It says, some of the Jews even believed, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the chief women. So there was a lot of people being saved. Even though in the midst of all this going on, there was still a lot of people coming to know the Lord. On in, in uh, 17 verse 12, it says this. It says, many of them believed, something about the Bereans, and also Greek women and men, and it specifically says, not a few. If it says not a few, then that, to me that means a lot, right? There was a lot. So even in the midst, there was still, God was working a mighty work. You know what? I believe God's still working a mighty work today. I mean, I believe that. I truly do. I don't just stand here and say that this morning. I believe that. Uh, I believe he's working a mighty work at each and every one of us. And uh, he wants to continue to do that. He truly does. So, but here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, it's an international message. It doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, it applies. And he loves us. And he wants, he wants everybody. I mean, who else can stand and say, especially in this world we live in today, people don't want, I mean, all these groups, they don't want everybody. They want them. They want themselves. That's what they want. But anyway, sidebar. So it's truly to whosoever will believe. I mean, the sal- is, salvation is real, and it's to whosoever will believe. So if we go back to verse 2 in 2 Corinthians, and we'll go back to, to chapter 8. Um. The churches were being attacked, but these believers did not lose sight of their purpose, okay? And, and this is, that's what Paul's telling us here in verses 1 and 2. He's saying how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a full verse when you sit and think about it a little bit, about what, and it really describes these people well. But... Um, they didn't lose sight of their purpose. They didn't lose sight of what they'd received. You know, I don't ever want to lose sight. When I start losing sight of how precious salvation is that I received from the Lord, that's when, my, that's when my relationship and that's when my service for him begins to fall apart. I mean, if I don't have appreciation for him, I can't serve him the way he wants me to. I better not ever lose that appreciation and the love for him saving my soul one day. Um, they, didn't lose their, they, they didn't lose sight of what they'd received, and they didn't lose sight of their desire to give back to the gospel. I mean, they knew what they had been given, and they wanted to give back. They wanted, to, they wanted others to get what they had been given. And um, it says uh, they were limited. 
That's the thing we need to understand. They were limited in their financial resources, but they didn't allow those factors to impede their giving. They loved the Lord. That's the bottom line. You say, how can that be? They loved the Lord. I mean, that's, that's all I can say. And, but uh, they had very little. It says, even verse 2 says, if you look at that, it says their deep poverty. He didn't just say poverty. He said deep poverty. I mean, that, that's there for a reason. I mean, they were very, very poor. They didn't have much. But what they had, they gave. What they had, they gave. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. <laughs> you know, I think, you know what? What I've got, it's not mine. <laughs> he gave it to me. Everything I have, he's given to me. Whether it's, whether it's financial, whether it's physical health, whether it's, my, I mean, anything. It's all from him. He's, it's all his. It still belongs to him. He's just letting me use it for a little while. <laughs> He's just letting me use it for a little while. But um, it says that they had very little, but what they had they gave. Why? Because they treasured the gift of the gospel that they'd received. That's why. They treasured the gift. And they knew it was from the church at Jerusalem. They knew that's where Paul and the other apostles had originally started. In this collection, if you remember right, we talked about this. This is what Paul's talking about is they had a desire. They wanted to give back. Because had that church not given to them, they wouldn't have received. They never would have, been saved. They never would have had salvation. So they wanted to give back to the, to the church. So they wanted to help the brethren. And, uh, you know, this, Paul uses this word uh, liberality. It's the last word in verse 2. Excuse me a minute. I'll blow my nose. Um. You know, this word liberality, at first, I thought, <laughs> I probably don't need to say this, but I'm just, just going to come out. I, I'm not a big fan of that word, the liberal, okay? I'll just let it go at that. Moving on. Um, but liberality is not necessarily measured. Here's the thing. This is, what, this, is what, this is what the Lord wants us to understand, I believe, with all my heart. It's not necessarily measured by the amount given, but by the heart which gives. That's what liberality, I mean, that's what it means. And, and I looked this morning, I thought, you know, this word, because I started thinking about the, the kind of like the negative side of this word, but Paul uses this. When you, if you go and look, I went back and pulled out my, my concordance, and the Greek of this, it means sincerity, and it means generosity, okay? And, and here's the other thing. I really like this. This is what it said. It said the divine influence, the divine influence, not the manly, not the fleshly, the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. I thought, man, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good, okay? Not because I wrote it down, because it was in that book, okay? It was in the concordance. That's what, was, that's what the definition was. And I thought, isn't that true? I mean, it's his influence upon our heart that changes our life. And, and, and the more that he influences our heart, the more he is reflected in our life. I mean, it's, it's how it is. So... Um, the liberality of the churches at Macedonia was much greater than could be expected from people so poor. I mean, that's the gist of what Paul's trying to get across to us here. I mean, Paul's example to the Corinthians, I mean, he's trying to stir their hearts. He's trying to stir them to, ex to get them to be liberal, basically, to, to give, to be generous, to, to want to give. Because he knew, he knew that the church, Paul knew these people. I'm probably getting ahead of my notes here, but... Paul knew all these people very well. I mean, he was there with them. And he knew that the church at Corinth, 
had more money. I'm just going to say it. He knew that they were better off than what those other churches were, so he knew they were able to give more. Okay? And you're saying, well, you're talking about money. I am. I mean, God, God has blessed us. He, the, he has blessed me. I'm to give back as he has blessed me. I'm getting way ahead of my notes here. But anyway, I'm, but that's how we're supposed to give. So, but, uh, so his example was to stir. And Paul was teaching to the Corinthians is, is for me, and it's for, it's for us today as well. If we, if I've been blessed, we've been blessed with material things, Paul wanted the Corinthians to be liberal in the things that the poor saints at Jerusalem needed. I mean, that's, that's, that's what he's getting across. He's wanting, he was trying to get across to them that the brethren, not, not the world, he's talking about the church, the other churches needed, they needed help. And he was looking to them to help them. Um, so, let me get on here. That's right. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I don't know if y'all heard what, what Gail said, but I mean, I, I think that's true. I mean, I think that's a fundamental thing with, of our walk with the Lord is, is the, more, the more we rely upon him, the more our faith grows, and the more our faith grows, the more we're able to, to rely upon him. I mean, right? I mean, that's, and that's how we get through things. If we're not going to rely on him, when the hard times come, we're not going to get through them. I mean, we won't. We'll fall. I mean, you say, well, you're, you're passing. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. We can all say that. We can all say that. So, um, he, was, he wanted them, here's the thing, and I, and I like this, it says, and I don't know if I wrote, I got this somewhere, they should be liberal in the earthly things, just as God had been liberal toward them in heavenly things. And I thought, wow, man, you know, that, that right there, that's, that's, that's still true for us. I mean, God has blessed us, we should be thankful for it and give back to him what we can. Namely, his saving grace. I mean, I and we should, we should have that same attitude and desire. And here's what, I like what Oliver Green said. He said, God is the author of giving. God gave first. And God did not give to those who loved and appreciated him, nor to those who had anything to give back to him, or had given anything to him, Okay. God gave Jesus to a people who did not love and appreciate God. In spite of their sin and wretchedness, in spite of my sin and my wretchedness, God sent his son to be a propitiation for my sin and for everybody's sin, everybody in the world. I mean, he gave first. His gift is the ultimate. His gift is the, is the, the, the measure, <laughs> okay? His gift is the measure. Um, so his only son... He gave his only son. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, if you would. I want you to look at verses 6 through 10. Verse 6, Romans 5, 6 says this. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For sca- I'm going to go ahead and read through 10. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Listen to what it says here. For if, or since, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Look at verse 6. 
God loves us more than any of us can fathom. And you say, why do you say that? Look at this. Look in verse 6. It, says, it tells us right there that God gave his son to die for the ungodly. For the ungodly. People that didn't care anything about him, he gave his son. And people that hated him, he still gave his son. In verse 8, tells us that God gave his son for sinners. as me. And that was all of us, okay, at one time. And in verse 10, God gave his son to the enemies of God so that we can be reconciled to God. I mean, who else is going to... Let me ask you this. What have I... What do you think... How much do you think I've given to people that... I mean, I don't like to think I've got any enemies, but I don't necessarily go out and seek enemies to try to find... to Say, hey, I want to give you something. That's what God did for us. I mean, we were enemies with him. So Jesus Christ gave his very life for us to be reconciled with God. And when we think about this, reading this... You know, reading this and knowing it up here is not enough. It's not enough. I mean, a person's got to personally ask and and receive the gift of of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the only way they're going to be reconciled to God. Okay, All of us that are saved, we understand that this morning. We understand that. But God gave the unmeasurable love to the world through his son. I mean, we have to personally receive and acknowledge that and give our love our love back in repentance to Christ, right? When we repent and ask the Lord to save us, that's what we do. But here's the thing. God gave first. That's, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing we got to remember. God gave first. And we're talking about giving what we need to give or whatever that means to each of us. God gave first. And for us to exercise the grace of giving, number one, we got to first have accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. We'll never understand what the grace of giving is until we're first saved. And once we're saved, then he'll continue to work in us and help us understand and grow in what that grace of giving really is. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants us to learn. That's what he wants us to grow in. And that's what Paul's trying to tell us here, that that irregardless of what's going on, irregardless of where we came from, where we've been, what our history is, I mean, just like when he saved me, he didn't... He already knew what my past was. He knew, he knew where I was going. I'm glad for that. And what he's telling us here this morning, he said, it doesn't matter what your situation is, all of us, we've got the opportunity and the privilege to give something. All of us do. Because he gave first. He gave first. In the pocketbook, that's it. That's it. That's it. I was reading... Uh, I think it was Jay Vernon McGee said that uh, you know that's that's probably one of the one of the the, the most tender spots, uh, even for believers, is when you start talking about the pocketbook. That's when everybody starts stirring around their chairs and, and gets antsy, you know. But I'm just trying to share what God's word the best I can, what he's what he's trying to lay out for us, and we each one have to we each one have to figure out what it is he wants us to give, whatever that means to us. So I tell you what, I'm I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to move on to verse three this morning, so I'm going to stop there this morning.